I'm Jill Anderson. This is the Harvard EdCast. There's been a lot of talk about summer school as a way to make up for lost learning time during COVID. Catherine Augustine wants to remind that summer school isn't magic. She has long studied summer school to better understand what makes these programs effective. Many children benefit academically from summer school programs, and there's many ways to consider how helpful these programs can be. I wanted to know more about what summer school can and can't do. First, Catherine filled me in on what summer school actually looks like today. Even the old-fashioned kind of summer school, which is not in vogue now, but the kind that you and I might remember from our childhood where we were sitting, if we went, in unair-conditioned classrooms going through academic material by rote memorization, even those worked. Their goal typically tends to be getting kids to advance to the next grade level. That happens after kids go through those types of remedial summer programs even today. So those kinds of programs work the kind that we studied, which are voluntary summer programs, we also saw that they were effective. Now, the caveat there is that students needed to attend them, right? Because those programs are voluntary, (laughs) unlike the remedial summer school. And certainly there are other kinds of summer programs like career programs for high school students that have amazing outcomes in terms of reductions in crime and graduation from high school and success in the workforce later in life. So there are all sorts of summer programs that do work. And so as districts and states are thinking about what to do, they should familiarize themselves with the structure of these programs, which ones work, and for those that do, how exactly they work. Talk to me a little bit about the attendance issue and what can be done to mitigate that. It depends on how you think about attendance and success. So in our study, for example, which was the largest RCT done on summer programs to date, we saw over the course of four years that each summer, about 20% of the kids who enrolled never showed up, right? Mm. And those who did attended about 75% of the time. And we saw that in order to benefit academically from these programs, they needed to attend at least 20 of the 25 days and 60% of the kids did that. And then half of those kids came back for a second summer. So you tell me, is that a success or is that a failure? Depending on the size of these programs, it's a lot of kids. If you have 60% of the kids attending and then benefit, That's actually not bad when you look at other types of education interventions. It's not perfect. And when I talk about these rates with other school districts, many of them say, oh, we can do better than that. And maybe they can. We saw in the programs we studied that kids attended at higher rates if the programs themselves were what we called warm and welcoming with a positive climate, if kids were greeted at the door. And I don't know if this would happen post-COVID, but if they were hugged when they arrived, if they were walked with in the transitions between classes, if the teachers ate lunch with them in the classroom, you know, if the kids really felt like they were bonding with adults, Mm -hmm. 
And with the other students, they tended to come back and they had higher attendance rates than these averages that I just shared with you. That's so interesting. What about incentives to get their kids to come to summer school? The districts we worked with tried a number of incentives, and you are right. One of the districts gave those incentives to parents. If the kids attended so many days, the parents would get a a gift card to a local grocery store. Other districts gave the incentives directly to kids. So if you attended X number of days, you could take a big field trip at the end, like the kids in Jacksonville, Florida, got to go to Disney World. And others gave smaller incentives, but for a particular class instead of the individual kids. If everybody attended within a class for four out of the five days or every day in the week, there'd be an ice cream party on Friday. Mm. Now, all three of those types of incentives worked to some degree. The incentive for parents was very expensive and probably not replicable. The smaller incentive for the ice cream parties, that also worked because kids were putting peer pressure on each other to come back. And it was sort of a short-term benefit that they could foresee actually happening in their near future. So I think that districts need to get to know their own kids best and what would work for them and motivate them. But those incentives were not as strong in motivating attendance as was having a positive, warm, and welcoming climate. Hmm. You know, what are some of the big roadblocks that districts face when they try to put in a summer school program? Well, we recommend planning them quite early, right? So putting on a summer program is akin to planning an entire school year, but you're just planning it for five weeks, right? Right. So many districts, particularly large urban districts like we studied, serve thousands of kids in these programs. So they need to bust them. They need to hire the teachers. They need to have the curriculum ready. They need to train the teachers in advance. They need to recruit the students. So most districts start that planning in the fall, uh, sometimes as late as January. But if they're just starting now, they might not be able to put on as ambitious of a program for this summer as they otherwise could. So planning early is really important, particularly for larger programs. We found that if a district is focusing on both math and reading, it for elementary school age kids, right? So those are caveats. Mm -hmm. Then the programs should last for at least five weeks. And that can be a challenge for districts, right? Because teachers want to have a break after the school year ends, or perhaps a break before they go back. Other things need to happen in the summer in districts. Buildings need to be repaired. Teachers need to go through training. So finding those five weeks can be a challenge. They also need to recruit teachers who want to be there, right? Who are motivated to focus on the kids in the summer, who have the right background skills and experiences. And that might be particularly challenging this year, right? If teachers Mm -hmm. are more stressed and burned out than they typically are. And getting the curriculum right for the summer is also a challenge. There aren't a lot of off-the-shelf curricula that districts can purchase for the summer. There are some, but of course a district wants to be sure that the curriculum they use in the summer aligns to their own standards and to those kids' needs. So, you know, figuring out who to invite to the summer program and then how to tailor the curriculum 
can be uh, a challenge as well. I guess I'm wondering how realistic and feasible it might be to implement some type of summer school program off the cuff at this point. Are schools too late to actually do this? In all honesty, I think they're probably too late to launch the Mm -hmm. large multi-subject programs that we Mm -hmm. studied. But if they had such a program in the past, it's not too late. You know, if they're Mm -hmm. simply going to repeat something they've offered or revive something they've offered recently. And I do think that districts could provide a less ambitious program. It could be reading only Mm -hmm. combined with reading related activities like playwriting or something else that requires reading but is fun for the students. It could be a math slash STEM program only where students are focusing on math but also you know building something using robotics or doing something else that is also fun and engaging and active. Um, So I do think districts can certainly make use of the summer for sure but they should probably focus on one subject unless, like I said, they're skilled at doing this and have have done it in the recent past. Does it make sense to mandate summer school for all kids considering the unique circumstances of COVID or does it not make sense to do that? In my opinion, it does not. So other people might disagree and might have good reason to do so. So the programs that we studied had 15 or fewer kids per class. And Mm -hmm. those were the kids whom the district and teachers, principals identified as really needing this time in the summer. And for lots of different reasons, in addition to perhaps, you know, falling behind academically. And teachers told us they were really able to focus on kids in small groups, sometimes one-on-one. I, you know, obviously tutoring is being advocated now and for good reason. And that happens in programs with smaller class sizes. So mandating summer for all kids is the equivalent of extending the school year, right? Mm-hmm. And that could be beneficial for sure. It's obviously not going to address achievement gaps within a school district. I send my daughter to a public school and she's actually doing well, right? But so many of her friends and kids she knows are not. There are kids who've not showed up yet (laughs) at all in the past Mm -hmm. year, which you know, is a tragedy. And kids who are really struggling if they've been online all year or even in a hybrid situation. So why not take the summer to focus on the kids who need it the most? My daughter wouldn't need it, but other kids in her exact same school would. Mm -hmm. And so in my opinion, extending the school year for all is a missed opportunity to focus on the kids who are most disadvantaged. And then making that voluntary for that population of students, would you say? Here's the challenge with having a mandatory summer program. As I said earlier, they have been shown to work, but they really require a strong stick. In most cases, it's your kids got to go or they're going to be retained in grade. And parents today, if given a choice, don't want their kids to go to a mandatory summer program that 
the parents see themselves as not having a say in, and it brings back memories Mm. of awful summer school programs from their past. So what parents want is they want a program that is going to advance their kids academically, but also is going to allow them to have fun. And so attracting parents by promoting a summer opportunity that does both is based on our research, the the best way to get parents to sign up. Now, I should remind you that we studied elementary school programs. So I know less about middle school or high school programs, although most of those programs are not mandatory unless you consider a credit recovery program at the high school level to Mm -hmm. be mandatory. So I would not make the programs mandatory unless there is a really strong stick. If a district has the ability through board policy to retain kids in grade and plans to do that, unless they reach some kind of standard, absolutely. Yeah, make sure parents know about that. And that will be a way that they get kids to attend. But in general, I would recommend that the programs be voluntary. Can you tell us a little bit about or help parents kind of figure out when summer school might make sense for their kid? Yeah, absolutely. So I get a lot of questions from parents about what they should do with their kids this summer, primarily because of the pandemic. And I try to reassure them a little bit by reminding them that everybody had a terrible year. All kids did. I don't think the vast majority of kids learned as much this past year as they would have Mm -hmm. otherwise, or last spring for that matter. So that anxiety is certainly justifiable, but their kids aren't going to be further behind their peers, right? Mm -hmm. Necessarily. So if their kids have done pretty well, you know, all said during the pandemic compared to their peers, they probably don't need an academic summer program. But it really depends on what the kids' own needs and goals are, as well as what the parents want and what their goals are. I mean, these summer programs that we studied were free, right, offered by the school districts, provided free transportation on a bus, which takes away a big barrier, provided lunch, breakfast, and a snack, provided sports activities, swimming, biking, canoeing, rock climbing, sand volleyball, I could go on and on, as Mm -hmm. well as the arts. They benefited kids in a lot of ways, right? Not just academically. And if a parent needs that, and I hate to say it, I hate to say if a parent needs childcare, because nobody wants to think about an educational opportunity as childcare, but it's the reality for Mm -hmm. parents of little kids. And they need a program that's free. And they not only think their child would benefit academically, but perhaps also socially by being around their friends early on, by bonding with teachers. There's a lot of good reasons to send your own child to a district-offered summer program. But certainly not every parent should panic. I don't think their child is necessarily going to be worse off just because of the pandemic. Certainly some children are worse off for any, any host of reasons and not just academically, but mentally, socially, emotionally, et cetera. And there are other summer programs that address other needs too, right? So finding um, an opportunity for one's child in the summer, the district program might be the best choice, but certainly another choice might be better. One thing that um, I like to tell people or remind people is that 
summer programs are not magic, right? So we did find that they benefited kids academically. And basically, kids learned in the summer program about 15% of what they learned during the school year. Mm-hmm. Now, should that surprise anyone? No, because why? Because summer programs are about 15% of the length of a school year. <laughs> so kids learn in these programs. I mean, yes, they have to attend. And yes, not every child does. But there are kids benefiting from these programs at the same rate, basically, that they learn during the school year. So no one, policymakers, parents, should think they're magical that a child will attend a summer program and gain three months of learning. But people shouldn't dismiss them either. They are a tool. And if there is funding available now that wasn't available in the past, be creative, get kids engaged. There are a lot of exciting things that these district programs were doing, and they do benefit kids. They're not magic, but they are beneficial. And I think they're a good option along with others as parents, districts, policymakers are are thinking about how to help kids now. Well, thank you so much. This was really informative. You are welcome. Catherine Augustine is a senior policy researcher at the Rand Corporation. I'm Jill Anderson. This is the Harvard EdCast produced by the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Thanks for listening.